Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. As always, I aim to bring you the best information that exists to allow you to make an impact in the world, to allow you to show up at your best, to allow you to lead, live a life of integrity, and ultimately create a body that supports all of those things. And sometimes that means going outside of conventional thinking. If you guys remember back to the old Muscle Expert podcast, I had a guest on by the name of Dr. Gerald Pollock, and he talked about something called structured water. Most people have never heard of structured water. They don't know what it is, but we all have it. We all have it in varying amounts, and it tends to degrade as we age. And uh, it's been shown to be very correlated with decreased function, decreased health, uh, decreased uh, recovery, and a lot of uh, very vast implications as our amount of structured water starts to decrease. So if you may or may not know, every cell in the human body is charged. We all have an electrical charge and the structured water is the thing that's said to hold the structure, the negative charge and allow your body to send these electrical transmissions uh, whether your goal is to, to use your brain more, it needs electricity. Whether your goal is to use your muscles more, it needs electricity. We're electrical beings, and the ability to hold these electrical charges is very important. So, And ultimately, dependent on this structured water, this fourth phase of water, otherwise known as easy water, structured water, or exclusion zone water, um, because the body has actually created a, a system where it excludes the protons and creates this wall of negatively charged electrons. And it's really interesting to look at. If you're interested in, in listening to the podcast I did with Gerald Pollack, it's definitely worth it. Now, here's why I bring this up. Our guest today is one of the founders of one of my favorite biohacking technologies. And, and some of you love biohacking, some of you don't. It doesn't matter. If you're interested in optimizing your body and ultimately listening to how valuable this tech piece could be. Today's a really great podcast for you. The NanoV is a tech I've been using for, gosh, probably three or four years now, maybe even longer. And I first met Rowena Gates, who's our guest today in Germany in probably 2016, where she told me about this tech and I tried it. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. I love that. I read some of the research. I bought one and ultimately I've been using it consistently ever since. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite texts because I immediately feel a difference. For me, probably like a lot of you, time matters. And I don't want to just uh, do everything and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. So I'm never an early adopter. I'm always someone who's a skeptic. He's like, hey, let them try it first. I want, to, I want to try it later once they've proven it actually works. And everyone I know that's bought one of these machines absolutely raves about it for improving your heart rate variability, to improving your focus, to improving my perceived recovery times. Meaning if I train legs today and I do a 30 to 60 minute session after on the Nano V, my legs training or sorry, my leg soreness will be a fraction of what it otherwise would have been. And my energy for the rest of the day is massively increased. The uh, Nano V is something that I have my kids on because it's literally just water where they change the electrical, the electrical signature and the chemical structure. But I won't tell you any more about that because you have to listen all the way through this podcast as Rowena Gates shares all of this incredible information, all the research, all the data on why this thing is an incredibly effective recovery modality. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X, my favorite blue blocking glasses by far. I wear them every single day. My favorite sleep mask, which you guys have heard me talk about in the past, but now I've got a new product for you, Lumi. 
Blue Box has started to create Lumi red and yellow bulbs for anyone who tends to want to use the light at night or tends to want to not uh, be exposed to the overhead blue lights. Red and yellow lights are a completely different spectrum, which maybe don't affect our circadian biology as much. So if we're getting a huge amount of light directly into our retina, it's then transmitted to super, into the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the brain, which tells our brain to be awake. And if we do that and then try to go to sleep, we're not going to sleep very well. Sleep is one of the most important levers in our ability to recover and grow and thrive and think and ultimately be high-performing humans. So I've recently implemented some red lights into my room where I do reading at night, so I don't have to expose myself to any type of um, blue light. It's interesting. It definitely feels different. It tends to put me to sleep, if I'm being honest. If you have a hard time sleeping, uh, it can be very, very helpful. So head over to bluebox, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and use the code MUSCLE to get hooked up with 15% off because we got to take care of our eyes, we got to take care of our brains, and we got to take care of our family. Have an amazing day, guys. I hope you enjoy the podcast with Miss Rowena Gates. Rowena Gates, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah, we always seem to be running into each other remotely all around the world. And now we get, we're very blessed to have you back on the podcast. So thank you for, for joining us. Pleasure. Um, you are the owner and creator of the Nano V, which is one of my favorite technologies that I've been telling everyone about for, gosh, it's been four years now. I think I've been using your, your system and um, you continue to come out with new information, new data on the efficacy and, and utility of the Nano V. So I'd love to have you just kind of refresh our listeners' minds as to uh, what it is. Sure, sure. And first of all, I should say I'm not... The actual creator, I'm a partner, but it's right. my partner, Hans, Hans yeah, who was on the show in the past. Yeah. 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 And so, um, but what we've, what's happened more recently is more studies of the technology itself, uh, the humidified air that comes from the technology, verifying that it's doing what we want it to do. And um, that's really leveraging the water science, which is Gerald Pollack and a, a bunch of other people. And then the more experienced, Exciting stuff for me is uh, the experiments done on proteins themselves and on people. And so I always love to see the data because that's what everybody wants. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's dive into that. Like, um, what? So, when you say protein, what are we talking about? Because I I don't want to assume anyone, uh, or or we can can continue to talk about the anatomy first. And I want to make sure we don't miss over the protein. Well, the protein part is is a good place to start, actually, because I think it's very interesting, especially for athletes, because every athlete is familiar with proteins, you know, peptides, protein supplements, and all of that, knowing that that's all needed by the body if you're going to build muscle and endurance and strength and so on. Mm -hmm. And so if we start with the protein that you eat, which can just be your food or something supplemental, we have to get from that protein to the protein inside the cell, which is a very different thing, but it's made out of the protein, proteins you either eat or some that the body create endogenously. About half of them the body has to make itself, and about half of them come from food. And so if you think of that chain, you start by breaking down the protein you eat into the individual amino acids, And that's why we care so much about what we eat, because we want to make sure the right building blocks are there. And then those building blocks make up the proteins in the cells. 
And you, so you then have them configured in um, about a million different ways that create different proteins. And they have to be made correctly and they have to fold correctly in order to function. And then if you kind of step back to what the protein does, it's all your muscle, it's almost all of your structure, it's almost everything in the body is built out of proteins. But then they also do all the work. It's some orchestration of proteins that's your immune system or your digestive system or uh, movement itself. Anything is actually a protein function. And so they really are kind of everything. And um, that's, that's only our focus at, at ANG3 and the NanoB device. We only look at protein activities. But they're very complicated and uh, there are many of them, they're poorly understood so far. We might uh, be able to name about 30,000 of an estimated million different proteins. So we can't even name them, let alone know exactly what they do, how they interact, and, and so on. And so um, for ANG3, our focus is not on the individual protein, but on its environment. So our goal is to improve the environment for the protein, then let it do whatever it's supposed to do. It knows what to do. The body knows all that part of it. We're just going to make the environment a little bit better. And I know that's an area of interest for you because of the Easy Water and Dr. Pollock's work where every protein is immersed in water. Most of our body is water. And um, it's 99% of the molecules in there. So... Uh, every protein is in water and interacts with the water in order to do its job. And so our goal is, well, let's make that water a little bit better, help them out. Yeah. So as I said, just before we jumped on, I had spent the last couple hours listening to some of Dr. Pollock's stuff and some of your stuff and Hans's stuff, just so I make sure my brain was kind of up to par with the structured water. And the first thing that jumped out to me, as you just said, was, you know, people are so mechanistically focused on on the muscle itself and the focus on the protein within the muscle Without acknowledging that 99% of the cells, as you say, or sorry, of the the atoms are, are actually water, <clears throat> and so if we if we put a little bit of our focus then onto, as you say, this environment with it, which is comprised of 99% water, um, I think there's certainly an opportunity that exists there that to improve the proteins that exist within the water and. Um, maybe just improve the functioning of the body by paying attention to optimization of that that water environment, and, and that's ultimately what you guys are doing. Right, and, yeah. and I think from your standpoint, where you come from, I think we're going to be in the next few years learning a lot more about how water is essentially structurally leveraged in the system to get movement and and to, to do things. Because yeah. some of the things the body does are, are quite amazing that, you know, just pure leverage, you know, with mechanics doesn't explain it. But if you almost add hydraulics, <laughs> it gets pretty interesting. So I have the feeling that that's an area we're going to see a lot more information on. Super interesting. So um, I'd love to have you just, first of all, give our audience a reminder as to what structured water is. I mean, I'm sure you're way more versed in it than I am. And uh, I'd love to have you just give us the the simplest example possible. Sure. Um, Structured water is a phrase that's virtually anything where the molecule, the water molecules are organized in a, in a way that's, that's uh, more organized than just regular bulk water. And there's lots of ways to do that. Um, 
we are what we do is one subsection of structured water. We want a very specific situation, and that involves having the water molecules densely packed together. And so it's referred to as ordered water. So there's ways to structure and cluster water that aren't ordered water. And so that's why we kind of have to narrow down into our funnel, which is this particular condition uh, where the water molecules are closely packed together, they're highly organized. And then that's what Gerald Pollack refers to as an easy type of water um, exclusion zone, meaning that they're so closely packed together that they exclude anything else and they push it out of that layer of water. And we're talking about very thin layers of water, like um, in a cell or around a, uh, a structure like a protein. Uh, they're not, it doesn't exist like that in bulk water. It would be a very thin layer of the glass of water around the, the structures, the edge of the glass or the surface, potentially, but not the whole glass of water. Yeah. So one of the things that Dr. Pollock was saying that this does, so obviously exclusion zone is excluding the protons, putting the negative charge to the cell, to the edge of the cell, as you say. And then that, he, he says, has tremendous implications on energy production. He said a lot of the energy being produced in the body is, um, I guess, coming from infrared, which causes negative charge. And these negative charge are in some way influencing energy production. Do you know about that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's a really interesting area and it explains the benefit of things like red light therapies, mm-hmm. other related PEMF, other related therapies that are kind of complementary. But we we take a different, um, what's unique about the way we approach it uh, is to do it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. We do it through inhalation. So the humidity from our device touches the watery surface in the body and then that transfers throughout the body from the inside out. And so it's, it's a, a different process, a different approach. Um, and it's com- it complements if you're coming from the outside in, maybe topically with, uh, with red light or PMF or something. Yeah. So when you say um, outside in, we're looking at the sun, we're looking at infrared light, we're looking at saunas, we're looking at movement, all those known to create uh, structured water inside the body. Yeah. Inside out being, I'm going to inhale this and then uh, assume, and I'd love to have you talk about this, assume that once it hits my lung cells, one, it's going to work on my lung cells, but two, it's also going to disperse to other parts of the body where necessary. Yeah. Well, that was one area where um, Jerry was really helpful to us and wrote a piece about why the humidity is important for what we're doing rather than, say, a glass of water, bulk water. And um, But we're organizing the humidified droplets Um, The surface of them becomes very ordered, which is what we're wanting. Mm -hmm. That's verified by a lab in Italy that Dr. Pollock introduced us to, and they've done some great work, which is all kind of a little bit boring to me because it's just proving it, but it's not humans. (laughs) And um, then when you inhale that, you're connecting the water from the droplet to the body. And the transfer through the body is not like diffusing a substance that that moves out, it's more like connecting across um, the water in the body. And if you think of those, you know those that game where you take a ball, you drop one end, and the other end goes up? Yep. It's working like that, where you're just uh, connecting across of it, across it. Mm. And so it can go throughout the body very rapidly um, and very readily. 
And so even though you're inhaling it, it can affect the, the water in your feet or your arms or wherever it is in your body. Um, think of it more maybe like an electrical shock goes right through the body really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's exactly right. And that's kind of what he explained is like everyone's um, – Maybe not everyone, but some people are ignoring this this electrical nature of the body. And if we can sometime, you know, I don't want to say increase, but um, maybe increase the negative charge of the body, it tends to kind of dissipate throughout the entire body. Is that accurate? Yeah. And I think the charges to me are a bit tricky because you can get, um, you know, it, I think that part of it depends if it's always better to have, you know, this or that. Mm -hmm. um, but the definitely just sort of influencing um, the water so that it takes on the charge that's needed to support the protein folding. And it's generally that easy water is negative, but they, I believe they've shown that easy water can also be at the other extreme. Oh, really? I yeah. I, I, should be, I shouldn't be the person to talk about that probably, but right. yeah. Can you talk... Can you talk to us about protein folding? So you kind of went down that path, and, and I don't know, I don't want to assume that the audience knows what that is. Okay, so if we start at the beginning with your DNA, first of all, you only have one reason to have DNA. It's the blueprint for proteins. Mm -hmm. so we all care so much about DNA, but we don't think about proteins, but we don't even need the DNA if we don't, if we're not trying to work with this process. The DNA um, is the blueprint, the transcription into the RNA, and then the RNA creates the actual protein to build it. But what that's, what's coming out that end is a string of amino acids, and you have to be in the correct order. You have to have the right number of them, and you have to have the right amino acids. And that's just a big, big long thread. And so for it to function as a protein, it has to fold into a complex three-dimensional structure. And um, nothing works unless it's folded. And so that's the protein folding part. And it's a huge area of medical research right now because it's kind of a holy grail. If we can just understand protein folding, then we can interfere with it. We can turn off this, um, you know, turn on this tumor suppressing gene and turn off this other one and so on. And that's what 90% of our medications do is they're trying to interfere with the proteins and make them work better for what the body needs. Um, so that, uh, that folding process is absolutely critical. And I mentioned there's a million proteins in the end, but we only have about 20,000 genes. So there's a lot of different proteins that could be created from one blueprint. And that's um, where you get into epigenetics. Mm. The body is telling on the fly, you know, make it, you know, tweak it out and make it like this, not like that. And so how that gets built and folded is, is critical for what uh, gets done in the body. And that's where the technology that we have uh, comes in is it creates an environment in the, the water that lends itself to protein folding. And so there's the folding initially. There's also misfolding if things go wrong. And there's also refolding when proteins are damaged and they're constantly damaged by oxidative stress, by free radicals. So other proteins are constantly repairing them. And then you want them repaired as quickly as possible so they go back to work and, and do their jobs. 
And so there's all these activities that relate to that, the protein folding aspect of it. And that's the area that we, we care about the most. And that's the, um, they started showing it being, I think the first article I've seen on this is 2009, but it's possible that it was earlier um, where they're showing that the proteins are using the water to do their folding. And um, that's, that's what allows them to get folded into the correct shapes. So when you say that, just meaning they're using the water to do the folding, meaning they just, they're doing it in the water or they're using it to, to fuel the energy or what is the... Oh, yeah. But, yes, both. They're, they're in the water, but the ordered water that we talked about earlier with the molecules closely packed together is a state that's needed because the protein is unorganized. It's just a chain of amino acids, but the water is highly organized. And so it's the transfer from the water to the protein. Now the protein becomes very organized or structured or folded, and the water loses some of its juice because it's given up some of that organization and it's it's a transfer of entropy. So it's a type of energy, but it's it's not the energy a lot of that we often think of like, you know, mitochondrial energy or heat or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's this transfer from disorganized to organized for the protein to work. The water loses some, becomes more disorganized and therefore needs to essentially get recharged. Body does that all the time, naturally. And what we're doing is just augmenting it giving it a little bit more of that ordered structure to support the protein. Well, if our body produces it and we're getting it for movement and sunshine, why do we need more? Is, well, it, is it something that we've shown to degrade with age or just because we're such a sedentary community or what's the what's the real reason? Both absolutely degrades with age. So, so far that's oxidative damage that outpaces repair. And um, it's a downward spiral in a way because once the proteins are damaged, the ones that are meant to fix things are damaged. And so then you, you start going downhill, that's aging. Um, but we also do a lot of stuff to ourselves that creates more of this oxidative damage and kind of accelerates that process. A lot of, a lot of people do things that decelerate the process. <laughs> So, yeah. have you done any data or any research on uh, how it affects epigenetics? Because I think that'll be relatively simple. I actually just spoke with Ryan Smith from True Diagnostics. I don't know if you know Ryan, and um, he mentioned you know it probably would be relatively simple for you to do like a, an epigenetic test, do thirty days of nano V, and then do an epigenetic test again and see what it's doing to the acetylation and the methylation pathways. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually done that, but it would be an interesting area because it's not a medical claim which is, is kind of important for us. We don't, uh, we don't study diseases specifically. So things like that that reflect underlying health are interesting to us. And that's where we've done research on DNA, you know, inflammatory responses, um, oxidative stress, areas that are not themselves a specific disease. So tell me about those studies. You've done research on inflammation, DNA, and oxidative stress. And what were the outcomes? Well, the interesting thing here is there are, most studies are done on athletes because um, athletes... We're abusing ourselves. You can do the oxidative damage, but it's not compromising the subject. You know, you don't want to take a grandmother and stress her and, you know, and so on. Right. Um, so one that's um, particularly interesting is their double-blind placebo-controlled study done at uh, 
uh, a sports medicine Stanford University. Um, but they looked at lactate and it was uh, what they did was a half anatomy session before an all out exercise test. And they found that the right after um, there was 17% less blood lactate for the person that had been pre-treated with an active device versus a placebo device. Wow. And that, that was a crossover study. So they're doing the same athlete two different times, several weeks apart um, is, is the nature of the study. So that was one of the most profound results because for athletes, even what a 5% reduction in lactate is yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And then the other, another side of that was these um, inflammatory markers. And what they're doing is looking at the immune response because you know that if you overexert, you're really challenging the immune system and you need it to step up and um, get to work really fast to repair. Um, so what they look at are, are, are white blood cells that are indications of inflammation. Well, these are acute inflammation, inflammatory markers that show your immune system is doing its job. Mm -hmm. That's different from chronic inflammation, which none of us want. So you want the acute inflammation, and those results, depending on the marker, ranged from 10 to 17% improvement over the placebo device. So those are those are remarkable results when they have implications for your resilience and your immune system. Yeah. So when I first had you on the podcast, I became interested because of my knowledge of Joe Pollock, and I was like, gosh, structured water seems like it's the the panacea, like if you want to optimize health and performance, this is something you need to put in. And I have uh, have a unit now and I use it often. And I think I told you this when we last spoke on the phone, like the difference that I see in recovery post-workout. And I, I usually do a post-workout. I've never tried it pre-workout and I, and I have a reason, but um, it, it's exceptional. Like the, its ability to mitigate soreness either immediately after a session or the next day is tremendous. And I notice I don't get as tired after a workout. So if I do like a crazy killer leg session and I do 30 minutes of the Nano V, I don't feel nearly as mentally drained. Can you walk me through why you think that might be? Well, that's uh, that's because your your body is repairing faster. Yeah. And it's so important. Um, the way athletes like you work out, you're doing, you know, you're there's you're damaging muscle fibers that need to be repaired. And the faster you can repair them, the better. Uh, if you don't repair them fast enough, you end up with these unfolded proteins, which then your body has to go into this longer process to, to uh, produce more chaperone proteins, get more things fixed. It takes a much longer period of time. And so that can be days. And that's right. where people will have these long-term recoveries. So if you can keep it up on the fly, then you're just going to have a much better outcome. And so so simply by giving my body more structured water, it's giving it the environment to allow those proteins to recuperate faster? Yes, yes. Yeah. And they might be, see, the proteins might be building more fibers because you're like, man, there's a demand here. Mm -hmm. They might be amping up the mitochondria because you're exerting and needs more energy. But they might also be getting, shredding out the uh, damaged proteins, the muscle fiber, and repurposing them, basically. Yeah 
to to replace them because they're they're damaged and you want all of that to happen as fast as possible and i have to say um you are a trained athlete so you notice it any trained athlete can notice this um but when people are less tuned in it can be less apparent and Although it may be less apparent, it's no less beneficial. Right. Yeah. People want to be doing the repair. Sure. Yeah. I notice everything. And obviously, I'm intentionally trying to push my body hard. So I'm looking for those little 1% changes. This was massive. And I did tell you also, and it's worth mentioning, that I had a client who was on Adderall prescribed. And he said he was able to stop his Adderall. And I was like, why do you think that is? And it's like, maybe it's the brain inflammation. Uh, I don't know. So he was able to stay focused and, and his energy was incredible. And uh, again, I, this is my subjective observation. I was like, I don't understand why. So I thought I would ask you. Well, the brain function is similar and just as interesting as the physical performance in recovery. So when you are highly focused, which you would be, you know, while you're while you're working out, or you know, you're focused on writing something or whatever, your brain's doing a lot of oxidative damage. It's using a huge amount of oxygen. It uses. 20% of the oxygen for your body, but it's only 2% of the weight of the body. Yeah. So it's like there's an oxidative damage to repair there. Any high performance, a, a, you know, executive function person is doing that damage. And so um, when that kind of outpaces the body's ability to, to keep up, then neurologically, it, it's easy for things to kind of go off the rails. And you see that with brain fog in yeah. healthy people. But your friend that, that's using medication is probably just kind of out of scope and needs some extra help with it um, because the, the body's just not keeping up. And um, it's, it's a matter of balancing the autonomic nervous system uh, and bringing those those protein functions back into balance, so that the that it's it's you know I should say back into harmony maybe, <laughs> um, and that's all all of that autonomic function is is a protein function. So we have, we have huge use. Um, I think since I first spoke with you or did the first podcast, we've just had this huge use for mental performance. And guys like Jim Quick, you know, are the, the ones we think of. But there's also these athletes, especially um, that are or, or executives that are just high performing. Yeah. I always talk about the endurance race car team because it's just is such a strain on your brain to focus like that life important decisions for an hour. Are they using the Nanobee? Oh, yeah. And, oh, wow. And crediting it, <laughs> and so that's um, that's really that's a really exciting aspect of it. And also from a biohacker's perspective, um, these these two endurance race car drivers are in their sixties. Wow! So they're they're three times the age of the average person on the racetrack. Right. And you only do that by like doing a great job with all the biology and. Yeah. and focus and so on i did 10 minutes before we started and i did a podcast previous and my brain felt a little bit groggy and i did 10 minutes now and it's it's exceptional the difference is, is definitely palpable yeah yeah and people definitely notice that when they're when they're strained like that brain fog or the clarity or people say i have a little buzz yeah and um again i have to caution not everybody's going to notice that um but uh typically 
it makes it easy when people are either, um, you know, high performance or very tuned in. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't notice when I first did it either. I was like, I'm not really sure because you don't know what you're looking for. Right. It's like some people are expecting some type of um, something significant. And until you start paying attention to the subtleties, you don't really notice. And when you start paying attention to the subtleties, you notice they can actually be significant. But so many people are so just disconnected from the way they think and the way they feel. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And really the recovery times are the best ones for, for those people even because um, that's it's so apparent in, in how fast they feel good again or yeah. or their performance and endurance is another one. Yeah. So tell me something about that. So I, I've definitively noticed the recovery times, but you're seeing an endurance improvement as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that um, people will either go longer or feel better when they stop um, because they, they have stronger endurance so are they doing it during uh, it could be doing during right they're doing it after or before or after yes ideally before and after we have um, our biggest endurance one is uh let's see how do i say this it's a deca ultra marathon so yeah. that 10 ironman distance races 10 wow. days in a row and um so that's that's a formula for oxidative stress oh and, yeah huge <laughs> and so then whenever he was not on the bike or swimming or on the road he would use the navi have you guys thought about doing a mobile version yet like a I mean, it's, it's certainly like a desktop type thing where I do it oftentimes when I'm, you know, ready to do podcasts or writing at my desk. But it would be awesome if I could carry one in my car or uh, in my if I'm doing some type of aerobic work at the gym or something. It would be um, it's it's difficult because what's inside that box is it, full. Yeah. So there's real stuff in there. Um, and that part is is hard to make super small. You have to have. Uh, the energy and the the airflow right. and all of that, um, but it is it could be made more durable. And we have looked mm -hmm. at that where even if it isn't super lightweight and it's it's not super small, if it's just um, easy to pack around and use and and less um, complicated with the water, for example. Yeah. I have a nine-year-old son and I'm always concerned. I'm going to come home one day to him, like having taken it apart. <laughs> I'm like, he's one of those kids, right? He's like, if there's something to be taken apart, he's going to take it apart. Those are great kids. They're, <laughs> those are difficult kids that are great adults. Uh, yeah. He, no, he, he's not like, I, I, I would hope he doesn't take that apart, but most things he'll find a way to take it apart. Well, one thing that's really good is we can fix anything. We build them in Seattle here. Yeah. And so we can fix anything he takes apart. So go for it. You <laughs> <laughs> might be your next employer, next your next innovator. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Rowena, so I know you're changing the model a little bit, or at least advancing the model to where it's going to be accessible to more people in gyms because you know it's not a cheap unit. It's not massively expensive, but you're 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 trying to appeal to facilities and optimization facilities and doctors' offices and gyms. To be, able to, to be able to provide this to their clients as an immediate recovery modality and obviously a financial model as well. Uh, so tell me about that. Well, that's my area right now. I, I was interested in this a year ago, and for some reason it just seemed like going after big gyms was not going to be a <laughs> But um, it's now what we're kind of turning attention to, and we did design the, the technology for that so that it has smart card technology. So you could literally buy a card, go into your gym, self-service, put your card in, it deducts the minutes. 
And so we we did design that way. Um, and what I'd like to do now is get it in more publicly accessible places. It's in doctor's offices, but they don't let people off the street or, mm. you know, have a low cost membership or something like a gym does. And it's interesting, even some of the um, less exclusive gyms are, are, are going with a recovery center. Maybe there's a water massage bed or, or some light therapy or something. And so my goal now is, and let me know if you know anybody who's, you know, in the position to do this in any of these companies, but my goal is to start getting it in there where it has high volume use. Uh, it, you can have, you know, 30 people a day use one device. So just make it accessible and then the cost does not have to be so high. And just, just to give everybody an idea of the cost, our devices are running between a little more than $5,000 to a little less than $14,000. So it's, it's not accessible to everybody. It's in the long run, you know, it's inexpensive because there's no cost to use it. It's yeah. that initially um, it can be difficult. And so that's really been our goal. And we've, it's interesting. We've looked at this model in some less developed countries and um, kind of we're excited about it. But in less developed countries, it's almost like it's it's sold as a service. You don't even sell the device, you, you know, because nobody's right. up front money. Because of the direct effect on the lungs, have you guys looked at, I know this is going to be a controversial question, but have you looked at any of the effects on coronavirus? So obviously corona is attacking the lung cells, the uh, endothelial cells. Have you looked at any, anything on that? Right. We don't look at any of the specifics. We have a lot of reports back, but they're just anecdotal. They're not, um, you know, sort of anything that's science per se. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say that, uh, one of the biggest areas is in recovery where there's a certain number of people that have, they have this damage and they just don't get better and, you know, trouble sleeping. And, and most people are fine with coronavirus, but the people that kind of uh, have trouble recovering from it really struggle. Yep. And that's where with anything like that, we've had great results because it's kind of getting that system back up and running, getting it back on track. It, yeah. it knows what to do. The body's brilliant, amazing. And so the key is just help it a little bit, boost it, and then, and then you know, things can start to resolve themselves. And even just being able to sleep well is going to be a huge win for recovery. So. Yeah. And our friend Brian Johnson, the philosopher guy from Philosopher's Notes and Authorize Me, said he saw an improvement in his HRV immediately. He saw an improvement in his deep sleep. And he was just like raving. He's like, thank you so much for telling me about this. And uh, he just was blown away. So um, there's definitely people out there who are seeing benefits. And you know, that's why I continue to be a supporter of your product. And I think it would be an amazing um, adjunct for people who are older, as we say, who maybe they don't have enough structured water, they don't get enough sunshine, don't get enough movement to kind of uh, add in that additional structured water just to make sure the body's got what it needs to, to transcribe new proteins. Yeah, I mean, you you can't get enough or you wouldn't age. So right. <laughs> it's going to be good for, for any of that. Um, and yeah, Brian is great. I love his work. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, that's, it's really cool. But um, that's one thing is that HRV is a common measure that's it's generally very easy to see. You see the 
a decrease in the sympathetic, and then a little later, usually that's seven or eight minutes into testing, and then a little later, maybe 15 minutes into testing, you start to see the parasympathetic improvement. Like almost immediately? Well, during the, the session? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Because we used to think it was sort of before and after, but then yeah. we started with better, more sophisticated measurements, you look at it real time. And it was seven or eight minutes was typical. Um, so what's interesting is that one person might show, you know, really strong for HRV and another is measuring something else completely. And it all depends because our bodies are so individual. Mm -hmm. if, if we're really balanced, then we can't expect to see a difference. And so it really depends on where everybody is individually um, of what they can measure. And sleep is a really big one. Most people notice that and most people notice HRV. And we've had pro athletes down. When you were not in Florida two years ago, I was invited to spring training in Lakeland. Yeah. And um, the one time you weren't there <laughs> and uh, – and I was so interested talking to, to Shane Green. He's now um, in Atlanta, but he was, he said the biggest factor for him was sleep. You know, these professional ball players, it's really hard for them to get to sleep after they've been at the yeah. stadium, all excited, you know, yeah. high adrenaline. Yeah. So um, talk to me about that because um, I always thought like that would have been the ideal scenario is like, I'm going to throw a cannula in my nose and go to sleep. But I always felt such an energized benefit from it. I was like, maybe it's going to mess with my sleep. What have you seen? Both. Um, if you do it, it, it can energize people. They, they're just so alert. And um, I remember Dave Asprey told me that was what happened to Lana, that yeah. she couldn't sleep. And so we kind of warn about that. Usually once people are accustomed to the device, then that doesn't happen. And they, it's sort of... Um, it carries day to day, so it doesn't matter so much when you do it. Um, and that, by the way, is another area for athletes we'd like to test um, because you say you don't do it right before you work out, but it's possible that you're just doing it enough that it's still got that same benefit right. in the workout. So that's actually something we don't know specifically. Yeah, I think so for me, some of the hardest things is finding time, right? And you're sitting at your desk and that makes sense. I'm up here, I'm going to my desk. But like, if I could just throw it on my nose and go to sleep, maybe set it for, I think my maximum, my unit is 30 minutes. But uh, to be able to run that while I sleep would just be an exceptional gift if it's not going to interfere with my sleep. So I may, I may do a, a little end of one study for you. Try it. Um, you can set that thing to go actually... Yours can be set on infinity mode, so it never. Oh, happens. really? But you can set it. I think through that interface up to nine hundred ninety-nine minutes or something. Oh, wow. Well, that'll do. You. <laughs> I think I'll sleep that long. And you can turn the lights off in the interface as well, or yeah. the remote. I'm not sure how old yours is. Yeah. And, and the best thing to do is put a magazine over the screen because the screen doesn't actually turn off. Right. So, um, can you tell me the difference between the five thousand dollar and the fourteen thousand dollar unit, just for our audience' sake? Four times as powerful. So oh, wow. if your, yours is 15 minutes, yeah. um, the other one would take an hour for the same uh, sort of amount of benefit. Right. Okay. That's great. So there's only the two models? The, the then, There's one in the middle that would be half an hour. Okay. About $8,500. So it's, it's in the middle of the price too. Very cool. So I think from a financial perspective, if, if a facility or a gym was looking to do it, probably the one that was the, the shortest and most, most effective would be most logical, I think. 
more people on it. Yeah. Yes. Excuse me. Um. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. Um. Absolutely, because people don't want to be at the gym for an hour or a half an hour extra. Yeah. Some places you can use it with stationary equipment. Um, ben Greenfield's done that. I've seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's generally at a gym, it's going to be someplace that, that you, you know, sit in the chair, you sit there, relax, check your phone, you know. Yeah. Minutes is, is plenty. I'm very curious about that lactate uh, situation, so I'm gonna I'm gonna trial that. I'm gonna throw it on my stationary bike and see if I if it improves my lactate clearing. Just like subjectively, I have a pretty good idea of where my lactate threshold exists, so I will uh, throw it on there and see how it improves. Well, you have to do a washout though if you're what? using it. What's that? Uh, where you don't use it for a while, so sure. Difference. Yep. yep. Or you, sure. yeah, you could do the lactose and then try not using it for a few weeks, but that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't been using it. I haven't been using it pre-cardio for a while, so I'll start. I'll, I'll, I've got a pretty good idea where it exists. And I'll add it in around the cardio and see if it makes a significant difference, either during or before, and see what what it feels like. And all yeah, yeah. It's the self-testing is very um, is very interesting, and it, and we all want to see what it does for us because mm-hmm. it can be different for each person. It is hard to get you know real data. Yeah. Do that, but give but, it a go. <laughs> yeah, I think people are, are just curious, right? And myself included. And I've I've gone so far as to, you know, ride the bike wearing you know really small shorts and having red lights all around and seeing what that does and like just playing with with can, weird can random you stuff. That? Pardon me. Can you notice that? Have I noticed a difference with the red light? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, I think I noticed my increased body temperature. I think I noticed increased energy. Uh, my inflammation seemed to drop a little bit. Um, I did that for about seven days where I just had the, the big juve lights around mm-hmm. in my house and I was just riding bike and, and see what it felt like. So I felt like I was more energized. So yeah. I just, my brain was going to like, how could I emulate riding, you know, sunrise on, uh, you know, in a mountain or something like that, like getting all that infrared energy, all that infrared light. So like, let's, let's play with it. And um, it seemed to make a difference again, subjectively, of course. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I think that's uh that's sort of the nature of biohacking. We're all kind of experimenting with ourselves a little bit. Yeah, and it's so cool to have access to these things. I mean, uh, gosh, like um, access to to the NLV, access to these juve lights, and uh, just see what it does. Like, just play, right? I was, I'm, I'm the world's, um, you know, biggest baby. I just like to play like a child and see what it does. Experiment all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Well, I like that um, because it is different for everybody, and and all of these things will be to some extent, um, depending on what the body needs. So yeah. some people get a huge rush of energy from red lights, and other people don't really notice it so much. So very, cool. very cool. Rowena, is there anything else that we've missed that you think is super important for our audience to know? I don't. I can't think of anything. Well, an amazing job. Then I know what it is. Is that we we can totally if people want demos or anything like that we can absolutely do that over zoom so they're more than welcome to to check in yeah and i'll give my my uh, stamp of approval like it's so easy i mean you couldn't have made it any easier and uh it's relatively quick it's pleasant it's not in any way unpleasant and uh so useful so uh it's sad hans didn't get to join us today so please give him a big hug for me thank you yeah and so how can people reach out to you rowena um I'm at eng3corp.com, E-N-G-3-C-O-R-P.com. Awesome. 
And uh, I'm like, yeah, Rowena. So yeah, feel free to check in and um, happy to be, we have a lot of information for athletes, which I know is a huge amount of your, your yep. people following it. So we're happy to share that information and, and get more, more kind of data in people's hands if they're interested. Yeah. Do you have any in, in pro hockey? Do you know any people who are pro hockey players are playing? We do. We do. Um, yeah. we, we don't have many, though, which is we're both Canadians. We should have more pro hockey. Um, oh, we've got a Chicago Blackhawk, an L.A. Kings. <laughs> um, and we have some pro football, not so much in pro basketball, a couple. Yeah. Um, but a lot in pro baseball. Very cool. Well, let's talk offline and maybe I can put you, I can plug you in there a little bit. Oh, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Rowena. I will definitely direct everyone to your site. And I think we have a page up that they can go directly to uh, to get a discount code, which uh, is amazing. So thank you. Okay. Well, it's great to see you again. We, we finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> finally made it on. Thanks, Rowena. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for tuning into the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I know you got a huge amount of value from this podcast. And if you did, don't forget to share it with at least one person you know and love who aims to make an impact in the world, who aims to show up at their highest and best with vitality and vigor and strength so that we can all thrive in this challenging time and the next one. This will not be the, the last challenging time we experience in our life. And we should never ask for things to be easier, but instead for us to be stronger. And that means strong body, strong mind, connecting with a strong community, and ultimately finding your soul's purpose and pursuing it with inspiration every single day. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X. You need the blue blockers that are styling and the new product, Lumi, the red light bulbs and yellow light bulbs that I've absolutely been loving every evening before bed as I read my nerdy science books or my nerdy business books. I love to dive into that stuff and it allows me to do those things without ultimately negatively impacting my sleep and my health. So I hope you have a wonderful day. I'm super grateful for you being here. As always, I love what I do. I love that I can bring this stuff to you guys. I love that our viewership continues to grow and the loyalty you guys show is uh, nothing short of remarkable. Thank you. I never take that lightly. Enjoy your day. Live your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.